listening to The Worried Writer, helping you to overcome fear, self-doubt and procrastination to get the work done. I'm your host, Sarah Painter, and I'm a novelist and self-confessed worried writer. For show notes, resources and much more, please head to worriedwriter.com. And now, on with the show. Welcome to episode 26 of The Worried Writer. I'm recording this on the 30th of March 2017, and spring has definitely arrived in Scotland. The daffodils and crocuses are out, and we've had the traditional Scottish spring mix of weather, with rain, snow, a couple of really warm sunny days, and quite a few grey chilly ones. The air is definitely warmer though, and it might even be time to put away my winter hat and thermal jeans. My guest on the show today is Rachel Lucas. Rachel writes contemporary romantic fiction for Pam Macmillan, and her first YA novel, The State of Grace, is coming out this month, on the 6th of April. We discuss procrastination and writing process. Rachel has a really interesting way of approaching her books, and we also talk about using social media and blogging as an author. My writing update this month is all about my non-fiction title, Stop Worrying, Start Writing. It's been a bit of a steep learning curve, but it's finally ready to release, and will be in all the major retailers, Kobo, iBooks, Amazon, etc., on the 14th of April. It will be available in ebook and print, with the audio version coming later this year. I'm still swithering over whether to narrate it myself or to get a professional. My first instinct, and preference as audio narration is a real skill, is to get a pro narrator. But as an audiobook lover myself, I do like it when non-fiction is narrated by the author. If you have an opinion on this, do get in touch. You can email me at sarah at worriedwriter.com. As regular listeners know, this show is free and not sponsored, so I don't have any ads. But I hope you will forgive me for talking a little bit more about the new book. Here's the blurb. Do you want to write but can't seem to get started? Are you struggling to finish your novel or frustrated by your slow progress? Perhaps you are starting to worry that you aren't cut out for the writing life. Let best-selling novelist and host of the popular Worried Writer podcast, Sarah Painter, show you how to skip past negativity, free up writing time, cope with self-doubt and beat procrastination. Along with mega-successful authors such as C.L. Taylor, Mark Edwards and Julie Cohen, Sarah will show you how to smash writing blocks to finish stories faster, handle self-doubt so that it doesn't stop you creating, trick yourself into being more productive, schedule your time and much more. Packed with honest, supportive and hard-won advice, this is your practical guide to getting the work done. Don't let creative anxiety kill your writing dreams. Stop worrying and start writing today. Well, I hope you like the sound of that. Um, and it also has a lovely back cover quote from Keris Stanton, YA author. And Keris says, it is inspiring, comforting, warm and wise. Thank you, Keris. As regular listeners know, and in the interests of full disclosure, Keris is my friend. If you head to the show notes, you can see the cover. If you want to be notified when the book is available to buy, please consider signing up to the mailing list on the Worried Writer site at worriedwriter.com. Predictably enough, I'm pretty nervous about the book going out into the world. As you know, it's no coincidence that I called this show The Worried Writer. But the lovely comments I've had from my beta readers have helped so much. Laura said, 
I absolutely loved your book. I am already finding ways to start implementing the strategies and techniques you've suggested. Thank you, Laura, and all my beta readers. A couple of years ago, there is no way I could have sent a work in progress to beta readers. I couldn't fathom how anybody could show their early work. And while I did find it terrifying, it was also hugely positive and it's given me the confidence to release the book publicly. I'm sharing this just to say that I really have learned a lot over the last couple of years and this book shares every tip and trick that has helped me. I really do hope that it helps other worried writers. Okay, as always, if you have a question that you would like answered on the show, email me at sarah at worriedwriter.com or find me on Twitter at Sarah R. Painter. If you enjoyed the show and can spare a couple of minutes to leave a rating on iTunes, that would be so helpful. Ratings help to increase the visibility of the show, making it more likely to reach more listeners who might enjoy it. Thank you. Also, thank you to everyone who has subscribed or rated or spread the word about the show on Twitter and Facebook. A quick shout out to some lovely folk on Twitter. Lily Graham, who is at Lily Graham Book, said, I always feel like these set up my month with a big dose of motivation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lily. Melanie Levy, at Melanie Levy. Sarah Thurgood, at button 03, sorry, button 03 underscore 4. Emily Royal at Royal Author and a shout out to Sharon Smith on Facebook. Thank you for your support this month. The Worried Writer has a page on Facebook now, so please do head over to facebook.com forward slash The Worried Writer. And now, onto the interview section of the show. Rachel Lucas writes contemporary romantic fiction for Pan Macmillan. Her titles include Coming Up Roses and Wildflower Bay, and her first YA novel, The State of Grace, is coming out in April from Pan Macmillan Children's Books. Rachel has also run an award-winning lifestyle blog and worked as a social media consultant. Welcome to the show, Rachel, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Could you just kick things off by telling us about your forthcoming release, The State of Grace? Um, it's a, a coming-of-age novel with a difference. Um, Grace, the main character, um, is autistic, um, but it's not an autism book. It's a coming-of-age story, a bit of a romance, um, and it's about Grace realising that... Um, I think it's really about Grace realising that, you know, we all make mistakes, nobody knows what they're doing, and we're all winging it. And it's really about Grace's journey to discovering that. Well, that sounds fantastic. And is it the kind of book that just the idea just popped into your head one day or is it one that's been simmering for a wee while? It's something that I've wanted to write. I always actually, to be honest, I always wanted to write YA. It's probably the thing I read most. Um, and I think that your teenage books are the books that stay with you. And I, I mean, I, I really believe that the, the, the characters you read as a teenager um, actually form you as a person. And I think that I've got a bit of um Anne Shirley and a bit of Joe from Little Woman and um Ginny from the Ginny books by Patricia Leach. I think all of those characters actually sort of formed me and formed the things the, the you know the things I like and dislike and the, the you know the, I always wanted to be a writer and I used to read them and you know dream about that. So um I think it was just it was something that I really wanted to write and it wasn't, it was something funny because I had written, I had another um, adult book to write 
but I just decided on a whim I was going to do this. And I emailed my agent, like a tiny little snippet and said, I'm going to write this. Um, and she said, oh, I love the sound of this. And I said, right, okay. And I went off and I went on a writing retreat and um, I wrote six chapters. And I came back to her and I said, um, right, here you go. What do you think? And she's like, have you actually slept? And I said, no, 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 I'm just so excited. This is amazing. And then uh, she said, all right, okay, well, let's um, have a think. I really like the sound of this. Um, and so we sent it to an editor and she said, oh, well, um, you know, I'd need to see a bit more. And my agent said, well, you know, do you think, you know, could you maybe pull a bit more together? And so I went off another writing retreat. Five days later, I'd written another 32,000 words. <laughs> 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 Here you go. And she was like, well, this is just pouring out of you. And I said, I think it's because it's something I really, really want to write. And so the whole book was written in a couple of months at most. Um, and then obviously, you know, loads of editing afterwards. But it was something that I just really wanted to write. That's very exciting when that happens. Yeah, yeah. I think um, it's, it was quite unusual because I think that um, when I was writing my last book, Wildflower Bay, it was much more structured and much more, right, I have the plot and I've got it all worked out you know all these characters and I've got to weave in these stories now I know what I'm doing and with Grace it was you know I plotted it out and I had my post-it notes but I really the story just fell out of my head so it was quite a different experience. <laughs> Fantastic and um, since you mentioned writing retreats there um, could I just ask you a wee bit about that is that is that a new thing for you or something you've done for a long time? Um, I think the first one I went on was when I was writing Coming Up Roses, my second book. First book I wrote basically sitting on the bed um, or in the school car park with the flat top balanced on my knees. Um, <laughs> so then I suddenly I had the second book to write and I didn't really know what to do. And I had very, very bad second book syndrome because I just thought, oh, my God, I've got to do this all again. And books are really hard and they're really long and ooh, I can't possibly do this. <laughs> So I went on a writing retreat um, called Boot Camp and we went down to Somerset and um, there was a group of us and didn't have to think about cooking, didn't have to think about anything apart from writing. But it took me a little while to get into the swing of it. The first morning, um, I kind of bumbled about and went for a walk and didn't know what to do. And we met for lunch and everyone said, oh, I've written 2000 words. I've written 500 words. What have you done? And I went, uh, I went for a walk. <laughs> so it took me a little while to kind of get my head around the idea that I was supposed to write um but by the end of it I'd written you know quite a few thousand words and I thought all right this definitely works um I mean and then we we moved close to Gladstone's library which I'm really lucky to have them you know only an hour away and I realised that I could go there and sort of take off my mummy hat and put on my writing hat and not have to think about school runs and everything. And even just a couple of days there, I can actually just get on and I can get a lot done. And I tend to write um, in bulk, basically. Uh -huh. so. Is that from inclination or because of parenting and juggling parenting with writing, do you think? I think... I would love to be one of these people that writes a thousand words every morning. Um, but I am not very disciplined by nature. And somebody invented Twitter. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and unfortunately, or fortunately, um, I come from a very political family. So I end up going on to Twitter and ranting about politics and women's rights and um, 
and cake and, and then <laughs> time I've done that I've used up on my brain and then I think oh god it's school runtime and I've done no writing again so yes it ends up being something because I also I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn to be disciplined but um, my, my natural incl- inclination is actually just to wait until I've got two weeks and then go oh god I've got to write a whole book <laughs> so. and then go on retreat <laughs> with <Yeah>. no internet <laughs> yeah well, I think I think it's, I do really like the sound of a retreat. Um, I think we chatted about this on Twitter maybe once, um, but I haven't quite got myself organised. Basically, and, and because I have a wee office at home, I feel really guilty at the thought of. I have as well, actually. I'm sitting here. I've got such a beautiful study. We're really lucky in this house that we've got this lovely room with a fireplace and you know all my bookshelves and a lovely big desk and. Um, and I really struggle to write at my desk. I sit down and um, I can find a million other things to do. I think, oh, I'm just going to rearrange my desktop and I'm just going to uh, sort out the photographs on my laptop. And, and so I really have to, I've, I've got to try and get more disciplined because I have to try and start being more sensible. But, you know. It is hard, though. It, I think anybody listening who's sort of early on and then maybe setting some of their habits, maybe they're writing their first book, learn from Rachel and I and set good habits. Because I wrote my first books sitting in bed and my yeah. back is rubbish and I have to absolutely, I have to sit at my desk now, but I still, my daughter will come in and catch me writing in bed. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, I don't. I mean, this is it because it's the same. I hurt my back. I can do that. And then I spent uh, quite a long time. I used to curl up on the sofa and I would type. Oh, with no. And then I got um, carpal tunnel um, syndrome. And the doctor said, are you? I said I was a writer. And he said, uh, how do you write? And I sort of, I demonstrated. <laughs> the doctor went, yeah, that would be why you're having these problems. Can I recommend that you sit? So I do. I only ever type now sitting at my desk with my sensible chair. And even if I go away. I always sit at a desk. So I'm very virtuous in that regard. It's just the actually sitting down and getting the writing done mm-hmm. thing that problem with. No, you know. fair enough. Um, so if it would be okay with you, I'd like to go back in time. Yeah. Um, and I'd love to hear all about your route to publication because I think it's a really interesting story. Um, I remember because my debut was out at the same sort of time um, and I believe that it was sealed with a kiss that you actually put out yourself. But I remember yeah. being so impressed because it was just completely indistinguishable from a traditionally published title and it obviously it did extremely well as well so I'd just love to hear all about that and what led you to self-publish in the first place. Well I actually wrote the book three years before it came out. Um, I did NaNoWriMo and I wrote the majority of the book you know won it did the, got the 50,000 words kept on writing until the January um, and and then I just, I think I had an agent at the time who was interested in, she wanted to make, I was writing a lifestyle blog at the time. And she wanted to write me to write a sort of book of the blog. And I said, oh, I don't really want to do that, but would you like to have a look at my book? And she said, <laughs> that won't sell. Um, <laughs> I said, all oh, right. And being me, I just went, uh, all right, okay, fine. I'll just shove it in a drawer. And um, and then, you know, three years passed and I, you know, moved to the countryside, not the countryside, moved from the countryside to the seaside and got divorced and met somebody new and sort of started a new life and thought I was turning 40. And I think I just thought, if I don't do this now, I'm never going to do it. And I had a, a girlfriend who had self-published um, several books and she said, look, 
what have you got to lose? If you leave it sitting on a file on your computer, it's not going to do anything. And she said, at least if you put it out there, then, you know, you can say you've done it. And I thought, all right, then. So I sort of decided to do it, but I did it all backwards. So I thought, right, okay, fine, I'll do that. And I decided that I was going to, to release it on Valentine's Day. So this was sort of, I had sort of a month and a half, which was nowhere near enough time. Um, I said something on Twitter about looking for a cover. And a Twitter friend said, oh, you need to use such and such. He's fabulous. Well, of course, what I didn't realize was, that, yes, he is fabulous. Um, he's called Dan Brammel, and he is an amazing designer. But he's uh, really well known. <laughs> so, of course, I'm gaily going, hello, would you like to try to cover for my book? And he's like, I do covers for, he does covers for loads of children's books. And he's, you know, a fantastic designer. But he came up with a cover that was really unusual and not really very you know what traditionally commercial women's fictiony but I didn't want that so I thought well fine I love this cover so we did the cover with the seal on the front and it was a sort of cartoony jokey sort of one and I paid an editor um paid a proofreader and sorted all of that stuff out and did the whole Amazon publishing thing which involves lots of late nights and swearing because you think you've got it set up and then it's wrong and then you think you've got to set up and then you they email your file so you can check it and then half of it's upside down and um and then I thought I thought right well I'll just publish this but we're going to Amsterdam but it's all right because it'll be publishing the day that I come back and so we got to Amsterdam and I got a text message saying oh I see your books on Amazon and uh I thought, hmm. and so it, it appeared sort of two days early and then I got some tweets saying oh Rachel you should be screen grabbing these chart positions this is really good and I was going well in my head the only chart position that was good was number one. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, I'm going, a thousand, that's not very good. And um, and then I got home and it just kept on going up and up charts. And and then I sort of, so I was, as it was sort of selling, because I had the blog and because I had a social media presence and because I was sort of, you know, I was having to kind of remember what I knew about marketing stuff from, you know, my job previously. Um and, and, and sort of desperately at sort of 11 o'clock at night, Googling, how do you sell a book on Kindle? Thinking about what else am I supposed to do? And it was saying, well, you have to reduce the price. I'm like, oh, I'll reduce the price and see what happens. And then once it got X number of reviews, um, I put it into a BookBub promotion. And um, this is all kind of useful if you're thinking of self-publishing, I suppose, and because I think you've got to have a certain number of reviews. And um, and that really helped to boost the sales at, um, in America. And then it was free for a while and that sort of got it more promo. And in the end, it was downloaded. I think it's been downloaded over 150,000 times. Wow, um, that's great. Pretty amazing, really. Um, so so that was good. I know that you're, you now are published by Pam Macmillan. So what happened, what led to the traditional deal and, and what made you take a deal after doing so well on your own? Well, it got to number seven in the overall Amazon chart which at the time I didn't, I genuinely, it sounds really naive to say I didn't know it was good, but I genuinely thought, well, I did. I just thought, well, you know, oh, well, that's good, you know, and people were going, this is amazing. And I was going, is it? And of course, you know, thinking, uh, well, it's not number one, you know, which was ridiculous, absolutely bonkers. But to me, it felt like that was what you were supposed to do. So, um, so <laughs> now I'm like, God, I would love to have a book that was number seven in the Amazon chart because I realized it was a real amazing fluke. Um, 
So all these people started messaging, going, wow, this is really amazing. And then suddenly I started getting all these emails from agents going, dear Rachel, we'd be interested in representing you. And I'm thinking, um, hello, where have you come from? This is weird. But um, And so I kind of was like, oh, thanks very much, but no, I'm all right. But my agent sent me an email and said, because um, most of them said, I'd be really interested in representing you. But my agent, Amanda Preston, actually emailed and said, I have read Silver the Kiss and I really loved it. Would you like to meet me for lunch in London? And and because she'd actually, she'd liked the book, I thought, oh, well, maybe we might have something in common. And so we met and we talked and we liked all the same books and we had the same sense of humour. And she said, oh, I'd like to represent you. And I said, <laughs> I think now, I was like, um, okay, I'll need to have a think about it. <laughs> so I'll let you know. <laughs> She's like, all right, okay, thanks. So I, I went off and I said, I met my friend for coffee and I was like, well, I've told her I'll think about it. And she was like, you told her you'll think about it. And I went, well, yeah, I'm not sure I need an agent. And she was just like, Rachel, people would bite her hand off, you know. <laughs> you're, you're like, I don't know, we'll see. Um, so anyway, so then I thought, and I phoned her back and, and said, yes, go on then. I'd, you know, that would be lovely. Oh, all right then. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to the office. It was just like the most bizarre thing because, you know, one minute you're in London kind of going, hmm, should I? And the next minute you're on a red bus going to Bloomsbury to go to these proper bookish offices and, and sign a, a, an agency contract. And then she was like, oh, you know, we've already got some publishers interested and we'll take you to London Book Fair. And um, and that was it, really. So there was some some publishers were interested. Um, Pam McMillan came up with an offer, but also had an editor who, again, um, Caroline Hogg, was really interested in the book and really had enjoyed it and had lots of exciting plans. And so um, that's why I signed the deal with them. Mm, brilliant. It's amazing. <laughs> Very exciting. I, I assume that you're very happy um, with your with publishing in general now that um, you've had such great success with your subsequent books. Um, but what did you enjoy about the process of doing it yourself? And, and would you do it again? Or are you totally traditional published all the way oh, now? I I would do it again. I actually, I really enjoyed self-publishing. I enjoyed the control because it turns out I'm a bit of a control freak. And one of the things that I really struggle with with traditional publishing is it's when you're self-published, um, you do everything. So it, it kind of lives and dies with you. If you work, you know, you know, you know, you know exactly what's going on all the time, which means you don't get much sleep and you become a bit obsessive and boring. Um, but um, when you're publishing, you have to kind of hand over a lot of responsibility for that sort of thing to other people. Which is really nice, but it's also really difficult if you've been self-published because, um, you know, you can end up being that. I, I was really conscious of trying not to be that author who was like, you know, sending an email going, have you noticed that the, this is only at number 75? I can't help thinking if we reduced it by 25p, we could get it to number 65 today. Um, and, you know, so I like, really sit on my hands quite a lot um, and and sort of let the big machine of publishing do its thing and it's it's much more about slowly building up your readership and slowly building up you as a brand and you know um because I kind of assumed that oh you know I've you know had a top 10 you know best-selling first book and all my other books are going to go to number one um which of course you know it doesn't happen it doesn't work like that most people you know 
I say fluke, but actually, you know, there is so much luck involved in all of this. And I think that's what happened was um, next time around, I mean, I think it went to number 30, which was actually really good. But I was like, oh, it's not number seven. You know, what's happened? And they were going, well, we're really pleased. And I was going, oh, <laughs> God, sack me, you know. Um, so it's just it's been a really interesting experience learning, you know, how they, they take a much longer term view because, of course, they're a business, uh-huh. you know. So, you know, they invest in you and that's how they see it. And that's quite nice, actually, is to feel like you've got all these people behind you who are actually, you know, investing in you because they Mm -hmm. believe writing. So, Oh, definitely, definitely. And like you're saying, um, having the sort of team uh, behind you to to say things like, no, this is good, this is going well, or, you know, even that sort of thing is hugely valuable, I think. It Um, really is. Yeah. And um, I was going to ask you about your sort of your processes because I love hearing about productivity and writing process. Now you've already alluded to the fact that you binge write and <laughs> um but do you outline or plan oh, ahead or do you dive in? Um no I um <clears throat> actually read a really interesting interview um uh in The Guardian recently where Sarah Perry talked about the fact that she writes that she walks around for ages before she actually writes the book because the book kind of forms in her head and her description was so like mine it was actually quite unnerving because I've never heard anybody talk about that um I I don't start writing until I can see the entire book like a film in my head wow (laughs) um so at the moment my the, the book I'm working on is I've written a snippet just to make sure I had the character's voice and I've got a I've, I've written a sort of, I sent in a sort of vague synopsis to my editor and said, I'm not quite sure what happens at the end yet, but I'm walking about and I will find the answer to that. Um, but I walk around a lot and I think about it and I, I sort of let the characters talk to me in my head and then I plot with post-it notes and I plot like a demon, you know, I, and I really, when I sit down to write, um the I only sit down to write when I'm at a point where I have basically got the entire novel plotted out scene by scene on post-it notes and then it's almost like joining the dots you know because I can see the whole film in my head I have the the little post-it notes to remind me and I'm almost transcribing the scenes as I can that I can see in my head you know wow that's fascinating <laughs> it's it's possibly a bit odd no that's really interesting and do you um have silence or music while you're writing or I have I can write in coffee shops if it's just you know coffee shop mumbling um I really I really like silence I don't listen to music unless I'm at the absolute end and I'm on deadline and I'm panicking and then I mean I remember once listening to Enya I, over and over and over again and, and now I can't even listen to it without having a sort of mild panic attack because it just reminds me of typing at 100 miles an hour um I, I've tried doing like the you know the the seaside waves type things mm-hmm. they send me a bit bonkers so generally I just write in silence and then of course if the children are at home so that's why I don't like when the children are at home actually because I end up just being a sort of screaming demon shouting shut up I'm trying to write and they're like <laughs> so I'm horrible when I'm writing. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you're not. No, I am. Oh, really, right. I am. <laughs> I'm trying to be I'm polite, horrible. but <laughs> horrible. I, you know. 
and um, some burnt pizza. That's basically, you know, uh, for yeah, children. Ah, uh, things though they do have to have to go. Um, I know my my kids definitely have like deadline mum. And deadline yes. mum means pasta pesto for dinner again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My children, my two oldest ones learning to cook has been an absolute revelation, actually. Because I'm like, I can't do any more. Can you, please, can somebody make pasta with tomato sauce? Oh, that's yeah. a good, I must get on that. Good plan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, because the title of the podcast is The Worried Writer, I am going to be mean and I'm going to <laughs> ask you about struggles with your writing do you ever suffer from procrastination or is there a part of the creative process where you're likely to get blocked I do really procrastinate a lot um I I can I mean to the extent that I can feel almost physically sick with dread about I mean there have been (laughs) there have been points when I've had a book due and I've gone right I'm going on social media strike and everyone will say oh gosh isn't Rachel good she's going on social media strike to write her book I will then develop an absolute terror of opening the laptop and in fact I turned up for one writing retreat in this state and um uh various writing friends including um Holly Martin who was actually, she was fantastic. She said, Rachel, you love writing. Why aren't you doing this? And I said, I don't, I hate writing. I never want to do it again. And she said, look, you know, go for a walk. Stop thinking about it. Don't stress. And so I went off for a walk. And then everybody said, well, can just make sure you've done something by lunchtime. And then uh, they caught me sitting on a wall and I was on my phone. And I said, I mustn't use social media. I mustn't be on Twitter. And of course, they all came out and went, you're on Twitter. And I said, no, 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 I'm writing a chapter on my phone. I've worked out that I'm not scared of writing. And so I have to sort of, I have to quite often scare myself into it or sort of trick myself. So I will start writing on my phone um, or I will write longhand um, or, you know, uh, honestly, even cleaning the loo is better than writing. Absolutely. You know? That's hugely reassuring. I've definitely, I, I call myself, I used to call myself queen of procrastination and now I'm recovering queen yeah. of procrastination because I am a lot better, well, but I, I do have- trick myself. But I've learned that mm. this is to trick yourself. Yes. And just open it up and even just do 100 words. Uh-huh. And in terms of parts of the process, is it drafting or editing that you prefer? When I am writing, I mm. am absolutely convinced that editing is the best thing ever. And I love editing and it's so nice to have something to work with. And when I'm editing, I am a bit like, oh, God, I wish I was just writing. But actually, the truth is, I think if I'm honest, I actually almost, I think I prefer the editing because just getting that stuff down on the page, you can't work with it until it's something, you've got something down there. But once you've got something down there, it's it's easier to make it better, you know. And I, I always, I, I try to be really kind to myself. My first drafts are only ever about 65,000 words because um, I kind of figure that I'll, I'll, you know, flesh it out. Sometimes, I mean, like whole chapters can really just be dialogue and not very much else. Um, and then I can go back and write, you know, the nice description bits, which I write. I like writing. So, oh, that makes sense. I definitely underwrite as well. I think there oh, are yeah. definitely some writers who underwrite, and then we add in and layer in as we rewrite. And then there yeah. are others that cut and cut and cut with rewrites. By people, because I, I think of myself <laughs> quite a lazy writer, and I think that when people talk about. Um, oh, yes, I wrote 110,000 words and had to cut 30,000. And I think, why would you write an extra 30,000? I think it's just, it's also because I do so much of my writing in my head. Uh So if you were to look at 
my I don't do a lot of drafts really I mean really I only do one and edit it and that's it um coming up roses was different we did because we we changed one of the characters um but if you were to look at my first draft of almost all of my books and compare it to the finished product it would be quite obviously recognizable so um you know I don't know what that says I'd like to say it means that I produce really lovely um, polished prose. I don't think it does. It means I have really good editors who are able to just, you know, <laughs> knock it out. So, <laughs> hooray for it. Absolutely, hooray for editing. Hooray for editing when we get to make ourselves yeah. look smarter than we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is something that a lot of authors do struggle with, which I uh, think that you are particularly good at, Um and that's marketing books and general social media use. And you are a social media and blogging expert. So I was just wondering if you could uh, pass on your top tips. Oh, um, you know, funnily enough, I was talking about this with somebody the other day. And um, there is, um, it is as simple and as difficult as just be yourself. Um, I think that um, there's an awful lot of, you know, people out there trying to make it more mysterious than it actually is when the truth is you know don't talk about your books all the time talk about you know talk to other people um ask you know I mean if you look at you know my twitter account you can actually see it quite well because I spend quite a lot of time replying to other people um so it's about not broadcasting you know you're not just basically going onto twitter and shouting buy my book and actually I think that if you if you take the time to get to know other people and chat to them um, on social media, then when your book comes out, you actually can stand up and basically shout, excuse me, everyone, for a couple of weeks, I am actually going to shout, buy my book, please. Um, <laughs> and, and everybody gets it. And I actually, I also think one of the things that, that I see a lot is people saying, oh, I feel really bad about this, but I'm just going to retweet this, you know, nice thing somebody said. You know what, we work for, you know, a year two years on a book and then it's almost as if we're embarrassed you know well the truth is you work really hard for this book it comes out and then it's like <clears throat> I've written a book anyway moving on but actually if somebody has taken the time to read your book and review it and say nice things about it then I think it's only nice manners to say well thank you for reviewing my book and I mean I'm not saying you should retweet every single thing that somebody ever says but I think think about the way you'd want to be treated you know that's um be nice you know mm, that makes a lot of sense and in terms of other sort of marketing or um yes I suppose internet marketing do you think it's still vital for an fiction author to have a blog these days or has blogging kind of I think it's really difficult I mean from a, a google you know from a discoverability point of view you know, a blog is really important because um, it keeps your name up there. But the truth is that um, if your book is doing, if you're traditionally published, your name is probably, you're probably going to be quite easily discovered anyway. I think that if you want to write about writing, it can be a way of bringing in, it can, I was going to say it can be a way of bringing in readers. I sometimes wonder if it is or whether it just brings in other people who are interested in writing. Um mm. And, you know, whether they actually end up reading your books or whether they end up reading their books because they like the way you write about writing. I don't know. Um, I mean, my blog, I wrote 
um, you know, used to write a lot because mm-hmm. I used to have that blog and, you know, that was kind of what I did and it was all about gardening and things. Now, uh, my garden looks like a bomb site, so it'd be a bit magic. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I think the truth is that that if your writing's going well, you quite often don't have time to write about writing. You quite often time to you know write about anything else and and I do find sometimes I get quite um protective about my words and I end up thinking well I could write a 250 word blog post a day but would I be better off actually just sitting down and doing some writing uh-huh. you know um and quite often if I do write a 250 word blog post I then think oh well that'll do I've done some writing and then, uh-huh. <laughs> then uh-huh. anything so but yes I think I think we do need to have I think you need to have some kind of blog. I think you need to have some kind of social media presence. I think you need to be out there and you need to be discoverable. Mm-hmm. You know. And are there any of the social media platforms that you would particularly recommend for writers? I know it's almost a little bit old school now, but um, my Facebook page, I always find that the um, people on Facebook are really engaged and really interested and you get – you can write a bit more, almost a bit more like a little blog. You can actually write about, I tend to keep people updated on how I'm doing with my writing and, oh, you know, look, this is the, the these are the cakes I have baked instead of writing today. Um, <laughs> so I, but, you know, and, and they're always, the people on Facebook, they're so nice because there's always somebody there who will sort of cheer you on. I think Twitter is is very much more like the, the kind of writer watercolour. I think Twitter mm. is really just other writers going oh god are you procrastinating as well <laughs> and a lot of industry gossip uh-huh, um, yeah I'm not convinced that Twitter sells books I think Facebook sells books mm-hmm. I think um I, I'm interested in Instagram um because I think that the sort of microblogging element of Instagram and and the whole um bookstagram community is really interesting I think that I've kind of I've played around with some of the others but there's only so much time in the day, you know, and I thought, well, do you know what? I could spend my day Snapchatting, but actually, do you know what? That's the other thing is, and this is what I struggle a little bit with all these, you know, very visual forms of social media is being a writer is actually quite boring because you live in your head and you're quite often wearing a four day old top and you haven't brushed your hair. And, um, and you know, the furthest you might go is your local coffee shop. So it's not very it's not very beautiful (laughs) no absolutely if you've got um you know if you're spending all your time oh I don't know that's maybe a bit contentious but I think if you're spending your whole time making your life look Instagram pretty you know where is the space for writing in that people have got more time than I have no well I was it leads me on to my question my next question which was how do you balance I mean there's the the social media and the marketing as we were we were just discussing and then there's the writing the most important thing and then there's other business stuff like replying to emails admin accounting um chatting to our editor yeah stuff you know um requests that come in all the business side of being an author and I was wondering how if there's any part of that you that you find most stressful or um or how you balance it all I think um when I am writing I I spent a really long time thinking that when I was writing I needed to be off social media and I realized it took me a really long time to realize actually no when I'm thinking about a book when I'm doing that thing where I say when I'm kind of building the story in my head 
that's when I need to be off social media. Um, and that's when social media actually becomes an enormous stress for me because it's almost like there's so much noise in my head um, that I haven't got the space to think. Mm-hmm. Once I actually start writing um, and I, I'm sort of committed and I'm sitting down every day writing, you know, probably a ridiculous number of words because I've left it till the last minute. Um <laughs> I find that social media is really helpful because then I go on and go, oh, I've written this many words and, you know, it's sort of light relief at the end of the day. But um, I I do I do struggle. I think it never – I've got four children and the oldest is nearly 17 and the youngest is 10 and it still surprises me every day that they need dinner. <laughs> it still surprises me that I can't leave everything to the last minute because I will get a phone call from the school saying somebody's fallen and broken their arm or, you know, has been sick and needs to be sent home. Um, And I, you know, I have been a parent for nearly 17 years and I still don't remember to factor that in. And so, you know, I'm I'm hoping that at some point eventually I'll probably just have got the hang of it by the time the youngest leaves home actually. I'm I'm uh, laughing in empathy by the way. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, well I think most parents are the same, you know. We all we all think, oh, it's Monday. And I can remember one particular term when I, I sat down in September to write a book and I said, oh, September the fifth, I have three months and this is going to be wonderful. I literally had a child off sick or in the hospital or something for I think about six weeks and um, it got to the point where I thought you know what this is the universe trying to tell me something <laughs> you know don't ever try and do this again so <laughs> no it's not easy and um, I'm aware that we're just knocking up on our, the end of our time so just before we finish um what are you working on at the moment or what's next for you if you're able to talk about it I am just, I am at the walking around thinking stage about uh, my next YA book, which will be out next spring, and it's called Box Shaped Heart, and it's about Holly, whose mum is a hoarder, and Ed, who's um, been rehomed, his mum, he and his mum have been rehomed um, uh, by a women's refuge, and they meet at a swimming pool. Um, because it's it becomes their place of escape and it's about them discovering you know they they have a window into each other's world and you know what happens oh that sounds fantastic I know really actually you know what I'm really excited about it and I I love them so much I know that sounds bonkers but I love these so much and in the same way that I love Grace I think um I love them. I'm so excited about writing them. And I love the fact that they're in my head, you know, so. And I can see the, I can hear the excitement and see the excitement. And it's so lovely that you're so enjoying the writing um, and so enjoying writing YA as well. Yeah. 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 I think it's something that I always wanted to do. Mm. And and I really, I I am, I'm sort of having a break from adult books at the moment and focusing on YA and, I mean, later in the year, I think I've got a, a plan for an adult book. But right now, I'm just really enjoying being um, because I think in our head, we're all basically about 17. And I don't think that ever changes. Um, so it's quite nice to actually just give in and, and stop pretending to try and be a grown up. and just. You know, <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> um, and on that note, where can people find out more about you and your books? Well, uh, you can find me. Um, on Twitter as Carolina, 
you can find me on Facebook as Rachel Lucas Writer, uh, or you can find me at rachellucas.com. Fantastic. Well, I'll put all the links in the show notes. Um, but thank you so much for your time. It's really lovely to speak to you. You're welcome. Thanks for listening today. For show notes and links, head to worriedwriter.com. If you'd like to connect, find me on Twitter at Sarah R. Painter or use the hashtag worriedwriter. See you next time. Thank you.